0: That's it for announcements. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, or in verse 12. Let's read verse 12 down to verse 16, and we'll pray together. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind— And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a forward motion God. You're always desiring to to move us into the future and the hope that you have for us. God, would you challenge our thinking this morning? Would you reveal our thoughts and help us to grow in a more biblical mature mindset. We know that life change comes from you, from you meeting with us. So Father, would you be gracious to to meet with us? Would you set me aside and give me grace and strength in teaching your word in Jesus' name? Amen. On Wednesday, we went out and hiked a, a 14er called Mount Bierstadt by Georgetown, and our high school students were doing a wilderness excursion. So they went out on on Sunday, and they were finishing up on a Wednesday. So Billy and I uh, went out, as well as my daughter Hannah, who is going into 8th grade. And for me, I'd hiked a lot of 14ers when I first moved here to Colorado. Uh, When I moved here at 21, 22, I was really taken by our mountains and began to hike uh, several of them. And when I used to do them, I I didn't prepare hardly at all to to go out and hike uh, these mountains. I remember the first one that I did... I drove out and got to the trailhead about 1 in the afternoon. It's a terrible idea. Like, if you know anything about hiking 14ers, you've got to start early uh, in the morning. Preparation kind of looked like maybe I'll take a water bottle. I did a few of them in my sandals. It was almost like the, the least prepared that I could be, that, that's kind of the risk that, that I wanted to take. But Tuesday night, getting ready for this hike on Wednesday was a different story. Why? Because I was taking Hannah. I was taking my little girl. This was going to be her first 14 or so, as her dad, I had to be prepared. So I had everything in the backpack and the backpack was much fuller. I mean, I had extra clothes in case it got really cold, beanie caps, you know, more than enough water, granola bars, oh yeah, I better grab a knife in case we need that. I'm headed out the door and like matches would be a good idea and a lighter in case we get stranded. I had a map. I mean, I was prepared. Why? because I didn't want anything to happen to Hannah. If, if she got hurt up there, I wanted to be prepared. So what had changed from early 20s to now as a dad of a 13-year-old daughter, there was a maturity and mindset that took place, right? Should I have had those things in my early 20s when I was hiking? Absolutely, I should have, right? If something would have happened, I wouldn't have been, been prepared. And so what our Bible study is about this morning is having a mature mindset. Is hopefully as we're growing in the Lord, we're beginning to think more biblically. Paul has been talking about the mind a lot in this epistle. In chapter one, it was for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the mindset. My life is Christ. Remember the mindset from chapter two? The mind of Christ. To esteem others better than ourselves. That's how Christ thought. And now in chapter 3, we're going to see the mindset that we're to have is one that we forget the past and we press on into the future. We, we press into what God has for us. The Apostle Paul says this is the one thing that he does. Imagine if you were going to have lunch today with the Apostle Paul. Maybe over at Smashburger or Chipotle or Quidoba, You pick. But you get to have lunch with the Apostle Paul and he says, you know what, I want to share with you the one thing that I really made sure that I did in my life. I bet we'd be listening and that's what we get to receive this morning from God's Word. So join me in verse 12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. First thing to write down to pray about is see growth as necessary and possible. See growth as as necessary and possible. The Apostle Paul says, I haven't attained. I haven't arrived. We estimate that he wrote this after knowing the Lord for 30 years. So he's walked with God for 30 years and he says, I have not attained. There's still more room for growth in my life. We're not going to be motivated to move forward in the future if we don't see the importance of growth. The importance of pressing on into a deeper relationship with God. When we look at a plant, if it's dying, there's no growth, isn't there? But if there's growth, there's evidence of life. So if I'm connected with the Lord, there's going to be growth that's taking place in my relationship with the Lord. Do you see growth as necessary? You know, do we have that place of coming to our lives and feeling like I, I've attained or I have arrived? It seems like the temptation in a relationship with God is to get complacent, where we're relying on past knowledge of God's word. You know, you've studied God's word in the past, so there's enough working knowledge or past experiences with God past prayer times with God, past worship with God. But can we say, say today that we're desiring greater growth in our relationship with God, not just relying on past experiences? So, so growth is necessary. It's evidence of life. But also, growth is possible. And I think this is what's even more difficult for us. Um, I subscribed to a weekly email uh, from a dad that encourages other dads and I read it this week, and I opened it up, and he said, My wife told me these words this week, You will never change. You know, and he writes in a very transparent and, and open way. You know. And he said it just destroyed him to hear that from his wife, confirmed his, his fears that he was already having, that he's not going to change. But he said it was exactly what he needed to hear. Because of God, I'm thinking and praying, do I have any intention to change in this area? And then he went into the gospel because of the gospel, because of Christ's death and resurrection. There's always the hope for change. I bet that there's probably a couple areas in our lives that we have completely checked out from of ever believing that God could change us. We say, I've been down that road, I've tried, and here I just continue to fail, I continue to, to mess up. And what Paul is saying in this statement is that he sees growth as necessary, but he also sees growth as possible. Not because of who he is, but because of who the Lord is. That God has the power to save him, but God also has the power to continue to change him and transform him. Would you examine your thought process towards some of your sin struggles, and do you really believe that in Christ there's possibility to change? I would hope the answer is yes. I would hope that that's the the first area this morning that God confronts all of us and says, look, yes, in me all things are possible. I can change you and I can transform you. I'm pressing on. So verse 13, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Press on into his purpose. He says, I am pressing on to discover the reason for which Christ has made me his own. Paul's in prison while he's writing this letter, this epistle to the church of Philippi. I would imagine it would be very easy for him to be discouraged. Maybe even to wrestle with depression and despair. To simply kind of check out and say, I, I just don't see the need to get up this morning and press into the Lord and press into loving others. But he chooses to press on. He chooses to wake up and say, I want to discover the purpose that God has for today. How many of our days do we go through purposeless? We're just thinking there's no point in today. Not seeing that God has a purpose and a plan for us. Ephesians chapter 2 declares to us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're God's poem. We're his masterpiece. He has created good works for us to walk in. That means he has purpose for our days. Every day that we wake up provides us with the opportunity to get to know Christ in a greater way, to walk with Christ in a greater way. So we have to choose to press on. We we have to choose to say, okay, Lord, you're here. You've given me opportunities for this day, even though I'm in this prison situation. And you might find yourself in a very difficult situation, a prison-like experience this morning, a boss you can't get away from, A physical ailment that you're not receiving healing from. Challenges in your marriage, in your neighborhood, where you live. And you're saying, man, I feel locked in right here. Press in to God's purpose that he's got for your life. We see this with Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. Talk about difficulty. He sold as a slave by his brothers. You know, with brothers like that, who needs friends, right? So. They sold him as a slave, as a young man. And here he goes to Egypt, and from every indication of Joseph's life, he doesn't check out. He presses in. He was faithful as a slave to Potiphar, to the point where Potiphar gave him control of his whole house. Gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of attempting to rape her. He's thrown into prison. In prison, it would have been easy to check out to be completely numb, to be turned off. But he continued to press in. He was faithful in prison, not easy to do. And he was given responsibility in prison. Ultimately, it led to him having the second chair, second in command to Pharaoh. God used his life to bring great deliverance. He pressed on into the purposes that God had for his life. I would imagine that there's some of us this morning where we are turned off. We're numb. We're numb to the Lord. We're numb to loving others, and you're not necessarily in rebellion to God or doing all of these sinful things, but your heart isn't alive to the Lord. It's not alive to, to others, and we're simply going through the motions. Satan would love for you to be turned off to the Lord and turned off to others and simply be numb. And God this morning through his word saying, come on, get up, go for it. Press on into the purposes that he has for you. Life is worth living. Don't go through it in this numb existence. And Paul's going to come back to this point of pressing on. In verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, this is the one thing that I do. I like it when uh, people boil it down to one thing, don't you? What if Paul would have said, this is the 10 things that I do. Oh man, good luck for me. Hey, Paul, could you just give me one thing? And he boils his life, his his relationship with God down to this one priority. He's saying, this is what I want to make sure that I do. It's an interesting study to look at this phrase, one thing. If you go to a a website like BibleGateway.com and you type in one thing with New King James Version, you'll see that it's used three times in Scripture, only three times. First is Psalms 27 where David writes and he says, This one thing that I do is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to inquire of his beauty, In essence, what is David saying? The priority of my life is worship. I'm going to make sure that I worship. Luke 10, Jesus uses the phrase, and he says, Mary has chosen the one thing that was needful, and she sat at my feet and heard my words. There's one thing that's needful, Jesus declares, and that's sitting at his feet and hearing his words. And now we learn from the Apostle Paul, and he says, this is my priority. I forget what lies behind To be able to reach forward to the things that lie ahead. So the third thing to focus on is forget what lies in the past. Forget what lies behind so that we can press in to the future. There's two elements to the one thing that Paul does. He forgets the past, which then enables him to move forward in in the future. If you picture someone who's trying to move forward in the future, but they have got a ball and chain. They've got this long, and it's not their spouse. If, that, if that's what came to your mind, you're, that's wrong, right? But there's this chain that's coming behind them, and this, this ball, and it's their past. And in order to really move forward into the future that God has for them, they need to be set free. They need to let go of, of the past. So what keeps us living in the past? Well, it's our sin. It's our past sin, our, our failure, Which causes guilt, remorse, regret, condemnation. Do you think the Apostle Paul had enough material in his past to keep him in bondage? Absolutely. He persecuted the church. Those images of Stephen being martyred, he witnessed that. He held the coats of the men who threw the stones at Stephen. That kind of stuff can mess you up. That kind of stuff can can keep you from living in the present and pressing into the future. Paul described great loss in the first 11 verses of Philippians 3. And he says, I'm not focusing on that. I'm not focusing on, on my past. I'm forgetting that so that I can press in to the future. Are you living in the forgiveness of God? Satan loves to join himself to this train of condemnation. He's the accuser of the brethren day and night and and wants to bring that into our face. So we have to hold on to the blood of Jesus. When those images come up of past sin and past mistake, to actually picture the blood of Jesus over that sin. To appropriate and apply and walk in the forgiveness of God. It's one thing to know God's forgiveness up here and to believe it. And it's another thing to go, wow, Lord, you have forgiven me. I am forgiven. I receive your forgiveness. What, what's my thinking towards my past sin? Is it one of condemnation or is it one of I am forgiven? Psalms 103, encouraging words from God. It says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Aren't you thankful? Nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Is that for you this morning? Is that why God brought you here today? Is because you've been living in guilt? You've been living in condemnation? And today's the day to hold on to God's forgiveness. And when this comes up in the future, go, no, I'm going down the road of condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Church, you've got to fight for this. This doesn't come naturally. This isn't where our flesh is going to go. It's not where the enemy wants us to go. But it's what God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. So we hold on to it in faith and say, no, I'm not going to live in my past. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But that's not the only thing that keeps us living in the past. How about bitterness? It's not our sin. It's the sin of someone else. And I know that you have been hurt deeply by others, sometimes by other believers. If we're not careful, our heart begins hard. We play the images of that wrong over and over again in our minds. We almost know that event or series of events better than we know anything else in our lives. We've meditated more on the hurt that they've caused in our lives than even our testimony of how Christ, Christ saved us we're stuck back in that hurt. Don't you think that person has hurt you enough? They've already caused enough hurt, but but now they're not even in our lives anymore, and they're messing up today. And they're messing up the future, and God's saying, okay, it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. Do you ever feel like forgiving if someone's really hurt you? No way. I have never felt like forgiving when someone's really hurt me. It's this process that I go through. Please hear this. Forgiveness is a choice of the will, not a choice of the emotions. We choose to forgive because God's forgiven us. Okay, Lord, you've freely forgiven me through the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you've died for this sin. So I'm choosing to forgive them. Say it out loud. I choose to forgive them in Jesus' name. God, you have forgiven me, so I am choosing to let this go. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live in bitterness. Then begin to pray for that person. Once again, you will not feel like it. God tells us to to bless those that curse us. Okay, Lord, I'm going to bless them. They've cursed me. They've hurt me. Lord, would you please just bust their teeth out, right? (laughs) I, I think that's in the Psalms somewhere. I'm justified, you know, break their teeth that's not what God means. That's not what, but that's where we start. Say, Lord, I'm going to choose to bless them. What would you want in your life? What kind of blessing would you want in your life? Pray that for them. God, would would you bless their relationship with you? Would you bless their family? Would you provide for their needs? And again, you're not going to feel like it. You're going to feel like a hypocrite, but you start to tell your emotions where they're going to go. You change your thinking. Remember, if you don't change your mind, God won't change your heart. But if you change your mind, God will change your heart eventually by choosing to forgive. And by praying, your emotions over time will come along and you will begin to see your heart change. I don't have the opportunity this morning to fully develop this, but there is a difference between forgiveness and restoration. God calls us to forgive because he's forgiven us. And bitterness will hurt us us greatly. Restoration happens... When there's repentance and the fruit of repentance, it takes two people to restore a relationship, right? But forgiveness isn't an option. And I should always be praying and being willing for there to be restoration when that person comes and says, you know what, I'm wrong. Would you forgive me? Yeah, I've forgiven you a long time ago. And now we can begin to walk in restoration and rebuild trust. There's another thing keeps us living in the past, and it's the good old days, the good old days syndrome. Sometimes it's not our sin. It's not the sin of others. It was just like, wow, 1999 was awesome. I mean, it was 2007. Oh, that was such a, a great year. That, that time in my life was, was so sweet, you know? I just wish that I could be there, and it keeps us from enjoying the present. It keeps us from pressing into the future. You know, you talk to to people that their kids are no longer in the home and they're like, oh man, I miss it so much when my kids were little. Then you talk to people that have got little kids in the home and they're like, man, I can't wait for my kids to get out of the house, right? They're driving me crazy, right? You talk to married people and they're like, man, when I was single, I had it so good. I just did what I wanted to, and I had all this freedom, and now I'm, I'm married, and I'm married, and I'm married. And you talk to single people, and they're like, I just, I just want to be married. I'm so tired of being alone, and back when I was in this dating relationship, it was so good. Like, we went to the movies, and we went to the movies, and we went to the movies, right? And discontentment really comes into our hearts, and and robs us. It's, It's really easy to to look back and go, oh, then it was was so good. I don't know about you, but I tend to not remember the past accurately. You know, I'm not remembering how how that really was during that season. It's not that we don't reflect on the past, that we don't learn from the past, that we don't be thankful for good times in the past, but we don't live there. Amen? We don't dwell there. We're like, okay, God, I was thankful for that, but today's today. And tomorrow's tomorrow. I'm pressing into the future. We forget what lies behind so we can reach forward to those which are ahead. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, that the reaching forward in the ESV version is translated straining forward to what lies ahead. I like that. Write down strain forward. That's a mature mindset that says I am going to press in, press on. Paul's expanding this point; he's saying it another way. What does it mean to press on? To strain forward. Do you ever feel that way, man? That this forward motion thing is difficult. I'm going to have to strain. I'm going to have to put some some effort into it. The easy things to turn off. The easy thing is to to be numb and not care about God and not to care about others. But but God's got so much more. Do you believe that he's got so much more for your life? So much more for, for what's ahead. He's a, a God of the future. He tells us, I know the thoughts I think towards you. That of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. So, so we wake up in the morning and we say, I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to strain forward for a deeper relationship with God. I'm going to strain forward for, for deeper character. I'm going to strain forward that I could love, love people more. And I don't feel like it necessarily, but I'm going to have to strain forward. I think Paul is writing this because he's living it in prison. His circumstances are so bad where he's having to go to the Lord and gut it out and make that choice that I'm going to choose to strain forward. If that's where you're at this morning, Acknowledge it to the Lord and say, "Say, God, I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to press forward into the things that you have for me. In verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. What's the prize of the upward call? What is he pressing towards? A deeper relationship with the Lord. To one day be in God's presence, to finish this race. And that's important for us as we try to discover what does it mean to move forward? What does it mean to look forward? That's it. That's the goal. That's the purpose. A deeper relationship with God. Walking with him in obedience. Being used used by the Lord. Paul, at the end of his life, he wrote and he said, I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've fought the good fight. We want to finish well. We want to finish more in love with the Lord than we've ever been. Walking with him more than we ever have before. Walking in in obedience. I don't see anywhere in scripture where God says, put it on cruise control. We don't want to stand before the Lord and go, God, check out my seashells. Look at my seashell collection. Isn't that wonderful? Now, nothing wrong with collecting seashells. But hopefully, while we're collecting seashells, we're loving the Lord. We're going, God, you're awesome. Look at your creation. And we're concerned about others and we're telling others about the Lord. We don't want to get to heaven and go, God, look at my golf score. It got so much better in the last 10 years. I mean, I really have improved in golf. Now, don't get me wrong. Go play golf. Man, God's created all things. Enjoy it for the Lord. But hopefully, as I'm playing golf, as you're playing golf, you're going, Lord, I thank you so much for the beauty that's around me. What a beautiful city to be able to, to live in. You, you created Pikes Peak and we were able to have eternal conversations with others on the golf course. Wouldn't it be great to stand before the Lord and go, God, thanks for creating golf and creating the person that had the idea to hit that silly ball into the hole. And while I was playing golf over the years, these are all the eternal conversations I was able to have. See, so see, that's what Paul's pressing towards. Say, I want a deeper relationship with the Lord. I want to be used more by the Lord. That's the goal. That's what we're moving towards. Verse 15, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. So God is telling us what a mature relationship with Him looks like. It has to do with our thoughts, the way that we think. And it's a mature mindset, just as I was describing hiking those 14ers. I didn't have a mature mindset. That has grown now as I have a dad and kids are hiking with me. So as you grow in the Lord, we're to grow in this way of thinking where we're forgetting the past and we're moving forward, forgetting the past, moving forward to the point that it becomes part of our character. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Write this down, pray about it. This mindset is a must. This mindset is a must. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it to God? 10. To the point where he says, if you're thinking differently, he's going to reveal it to you. He's going to show us, hey, Eric, you're thinking wrong. Stinking thinking, right? You're living in condemnation. You're living in regret. You're living in bitterness. You're living in the good old days. You're not believing that I have something for the future. You're not moving forward. And he'll begin begin to come and change and challenge our thinking. But from God's perspective, this is a must. This morning we sang the song, He's in the Waiting. And as we were singing that song, I really felt challenged by the Lord. Eric, do you believe that I've got good things for you and your family in the future that's worth Pressing in towards. I was really wrestling with that in my own heart, my own mindset. Not that it's going to be easy or the absence of pain, but that He's got a good plan. Plan of knowing Him more and being used by Him. Do you believe that for your life and your family, that God has good things in store? Is that the way that you think? Are you excited about the future with the Lord? what he has in this life and eternal life. If we're thinking otherwise, he's going to reveal it to us. And we end in verse 16, Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. So as we're pressing into a deeper relationship with God, and greater character, we don't want to lose sight of things that God has already brought maturity in our lives. Maybe go, this is an area of my life that's really changed. Well, we don't want to let that go as we're continuing to grow in the Lord and we're pressing into him. A few application questions. Ask these questions with me. What is my mindset in regards to these areas that we've read? What's my mindset? Do I see growth as necessary and possible? Do I see growth as necessary and possible? I think from God's perspective, he's not pleased with an attitude that's not hungry for growth. Do we expect and believe that God wants to bring growth to our lives in the second half of 2017? We're six months in. Do we believe that he can cause our lives to be more Christ-like in the next six months? do we believe that God wants to bring growth and change in our church? I believe God doesn't want Rocky Mountain Calvary to look the same today as it will in six months. That's the idea of what Paul's saying. I haven't arrived. I haven't attained. I see growth as necessary. I see it as possible. Am I pressing into God's purposes for me? Maybe you've been numb. Maybe you've been turned off. And and today God's saying, I want to wake you up. I want you to press in. Press into his purposes that he has for you. Am I living in or dwelling on the past? There may be part of you that says, I I can't let go of the past. They just have hurt me too bad. Who's going to hold them accountable? Well, God will. Put it in his hands. I've just blown it too bad, you know? I've just just messed up too much. And sometimes we almost get so much in the habit of focusing on our past failures that it's hard to imagine letting them go. And the Lord might be saying, you know what, you've talked about it enough. You've gone over it enough. You've apologized enough. (laughs) It's time to let it go. It's time to move on. It's time to accept and appropriate the forgiveness of God. No longer live in the past. Maybe there was just a wonderful season in your life with great friends and good health and just seemed like everything was going smooth. Man, thank the Lord for it, but don't live there. The calendar is July 2nd, 2017. Am I dwelling, living in the past or am I pressing into the future? And I think this is the hardest question and it's the reality of this. Am I willing for God to change my mind? Am I willing for God to change my mind? Because scripture says, if I think anything different, he'll reveal it to me. With our relationship with God, he has given us the ability to think. We get the ability to control our thoughts. And sometimes it'd be kind of nice if God took us over like a robot and it went on autopilot, right? But then there wouldn't be any relationship. And are we willing for God to come in and invade our lives and invade our thinking and begin to reveal and say, you know what, Eric, it's time to start thinking differently. It's time to start thinking biblically. It's time to grow up in your thinking. Forget the past. Press into the future. Amazing how God works when we put in a little bit of effort. He does so much. It's the step of faith. Okay, I'm going to start pressing forward. I'm going to start straining forward, and then he does what only he can do. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to enter into worship, and there's going to be a prayer team that's here in the front, just like every other Sunday. But I want to give you a, an opportunity to take that step of faith right now. We see in the Gospels that many times God moved in people's lives as they took the step to approach him, and by coming and asking for prayer, you're saying, Lord, I want you to do a work in my life this morning. If you say, you know, I've been living in the past of condemnation, come up and allow someone to, to pray with you. You say, Man, I'm so bitter towards this other person. I'm choosing to forgive. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that God would give me power? Man, I I, I am so so stuck in another season of my life that was so good. I'm not living in today. Last night in the Saturday service, I had a lady come up and ask for prayer, and she says, I know I'm numb. I'm numb to God, and I'm numb to others. And I said, well, why do you think that is? And she went on to share I just got to pray with her, and it was a really beautiful time. You know if you're numb. You know that if you've been hurt so bad that your response has been, I'm just going to shut off. There's two distinct times in my life that I can remember that that's how I responded to hurt. I I was hurt by situations and people, and I just said, I'm done caring the way I cared. And I didn't say that out, out loud, but that's what I was doing. And I was living in a prison, and I was stuck in the past. And when God began to wake me up, it felt like springtime of the soul. And he can heal and he can meet us, but we have to be willing. So as we sing, you come and receive prayer. If you you know, you know who you are, and right now you're having an argument with God, and you're like, I see people going down and asking for prayer, and that's not going to be me, you know? That's too long of a walk. God, you know my heart, but God's asking you to come and receive prayer because he wants to meet you in a special way. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior... You haven't trusted him. That's the most important part of your future. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sin. Sin is what we do that misses the mark. Even when we attend to do well and we miss the mark. Jesus came and he died for our sin and rose again that all who will repent, which means to change direction, to turn from sin, to turn to Christ. Jesus, your God. I believe that you're God. Be my savior. Take control of my life. If you've never made that decision of faith, as we move into worship, come, let somebody know on the ministry team, I'm ready to receive Christ as my Savior. Let's stand together, let's pray, and wait upon the Lord together. Jesus, thank you so much that you love us enough to give us a future, to give us eternal life, to give us a future in this life. And as we have read in your word, if we have any other mindset than this, that you'll reveal it. And even as we sing, God, would you, would you reveal the condition of our mind? And would you do work in our lives that only you can do? So God, we wait upon you and we, we draw near to you. What is God speaking to you specifically? Let's just wait upon him for a moment. Respond to that. Say yes to that.